In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and perhaps the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me, yes, he is with me, all the way from across the pond, the ghost finder general himself, the most haunted Richard Felix. How you doing? Good. How are you, my friend? I'm extremely well. I've missed you. I've missed everybody. Two weeks without it. It's not been good, I tell you. But uh, I'm back from it. (laughs) Thank goodness. Excellent. Uh, You know, uh, I just got an email from someone when I mentioned that you were going to be on this week, and they said, oh, my two favorite people. So there you go. Woo, we should be so lucky. (laughs) Hey, Ron, do you realize it's, I think it's three years in January since I started. Really? Yeah, yeah. So it's two and a half years now, isn't it, or something? It doesn't. When did, when did you come over here? My God, I, I get so. Oh, it was two years ago now. In fact, I was. I flew back. I th- is it the sixth today, Ron? Today is the sixth. Yes, you're right on top yeah. of that. I flew back two years ago today. I'll be damned. Yeah, how's about that for coincidence? Yeah, and what a wonderful time we got. But I can't wait. I want to come back. I, I'm, I'm missing. I'm missing the U.S. of A. I'm telling you. Well, I'm telling you, I'm working on something for next year, so I, I would love to see you again. You know that. I'd love to come back. I really would. Um, get along. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, I'd like to. I'd like a house over there, actually. But, uh, we'll see. <laughs> a haunted one, of course. Yeah. Well, whatever. They're all well, you know, haunted. It's Abbeville. They're all haunted, aren't they? Oh, probably. You know what? You know what Longfellow said: "All houses wherein men have lived and died." Our haunted houses. Sweet. I love it. Anyway. Says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know what? I was thinking of you because I did this pirate cruise ghost thing, and it was wow. it was awesome. It was a blast. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Did anything happen? I, I got to dress as a pirate. That's what happened. That was, like, so cool. Oh, that's, ex- that's fantastic. Yes. So, anyway. Really? And, and I mean, where, where was this around Portsmouth? or? or? Uh, no, it was from uh, Rockport or Gloucester, uh, out of Gloucester, uh, Rockport, and we went through Gloucester and out to the lighthouses and all around and told ghosty stories and, you know, right up your alley, wow. my friend. Oh, that sounds, uh, 
That sounds very good, yes, yes. Uh, well, if you can lay one on for me next time I come over, I'd look forward to that very much. There you go, there you go. So anyways, would, we have yeah. a great show to you today. We have a young lady uh, from your part of the country, and uh, her, her name is Deb, Deb Hawken. Uh, yep. Any relations to Stephen Hawkins? No, I doubt it. Uh, no, I thought that. <laughs> she is... She is a medium. She is a inspirational speaker and an international person, and I guess because she's on our show, too. So there you go. Anyways, Deb, are you there? <laughs> I am here, yep. How are you? Hiya. I'm great. Good evening to both of you. So, Ron says you're from my part of the country, but I don't think he quite understands, does he? Where are you from, Deb? Um, well, I'm originally a Londoner, but I live in Glastonbury. Oh, right. Wow! Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, we're we're a, we're a few miles apart, aren't we? I'm in Derby. Yeah, one or two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in to America, Americans, that's a very short distance of a period of time and a short distance, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You, you know, it's all, you rel it's all relative. I mean, from where I am, if I go 20 minutes, a half hour, that's a long distance away from me, supposedly around here. But like my uh, friend who lives up uh, about where the house you stayed at, uh, Richard, when you were over here. Oh, really? Go, I was just thinking that. Yeah, right you, up in Franconia. An hour, um, it's like nothing. It's like 20 minutes for us. So it's all relative, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's the difference. Well, of course, when I was, you know, when I was over with you, I was travelling down nearly every day from from Franconia, and I mean, it was a lot of like two and a half hours, three hour journey every day. Um, it just nothing though, because your roads are so good compared to ours. Really? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely wonderful. You know, open roads, very little traffic on it. Um, we're over here. We've got we got serious problems, mate, haven't we, Deb? Uh, we've got a lot of car parks, haven't we, that are officially motorways, but we call our, <laughs> our motorway around the outside of London is called the world's largest car park. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Yeah, <laughs> right, Ron. Terrible. But there and you so go. Anyways, Deb, you are a, a medium as well. And, and actually, I was just listening to a little clip on your uh, um, website, which is, I believe, dance. Oh, God, I'm going to mess it up. I always do. <laughs> Why don't you give it, Deb, so I don't mess it up? It's Dancing Star. Dancing Star. uk. Dancing Star. Right. And, and on a, it is a video of you doing an interview with a, a gentleman. And you mentioned that you have a spirit guide. And this has always fascinated me about spirit guides. So why don't you explain, first of all, what is a spirit guide and uh, how did you acquire yours? Well, it depends how long you've got, because I call myself the unexpected medium, because until the age of 34, I didn't have a clue that I was a medium, and halfway through a telephone call to a friend, the ability just switched on, and to cut a long story short, she knew nothing about it. She knew what was happening, but she didn't know what to do, and nor did I, because I'd never followed the field. So she took me down to a friend who was more knowledgeable, and I sat on her sofa and I said to Rosemary, what do I do? She said, talk to me. So I said, what about? She said, empty your head and tell me the first things that come into it. So I just started talking and she said, I understand all that. And I thought, well, that's it. I've lost it now. And she said, you've got my late husband there. And I did know of Rosemary. I did know she was widowed and I did know his name. But apparently I gave information I couldn't have known. And she said, ask him why he's come today. And I said, well, he's come to introduce me to my spirit guide. 
And she said, what's his name? I said, Edward Fouchard, and he's French. And I thought, okay, I really have lost it now. I didn't know what was happening to me. I was completely baffled. And I landed up with this person who I could see in my mind's eye, who seemed to be with me a lot. And I would feel this great warmth come in behind me, particularly if I felt frightened or worried or didn't know what to do. Because once the abilities developed, you're in the supermarket and you suddenly know somebody's got a mother in the spirit world or a grandmother. And as you get trained by more experienced mediums, you learn how not to know these things. But I, of course, knew no mediums. I'd never heard of a thing such as a circle. So I relied on him a lot. And all I can say is when you have a spirit guide, you will always have a feeling, a warmth or a cold down one side, as if someone's put a hand on your shoulder. And you get the most amazing wisdom come into your head. And one minute you don't know what to do, and the next minute with this very gentle, loving feeling comes the knowledge of what is exactly the right thing to do next. But as you develop as a medium, they work with you. Now, some mediums don't know who their guides are, don't know their name, and it doesn't matter. They just know the spirit world are helping them. Mediums like me, I prefer to know my guide's name, know who he is, because to me, he's my safety net. He's the reason that I don't get bothered by frightening experiences. A lot of people who don't know their mediums are the people that will tell you about bad dreams, waking up to see someone standing at the foot of the bed, feeling someone sitting on the bed, somebody pulls their bed covers off in the night and it's very scary and a guide prevents all these things. So I personally prefer to have a very close relationship with my guide. But if you'd have asked me would I be talking about this before I was 34 years old, I wouldn't have believed you. You know, it's unusual, but uh, I also, you know, I, I became a, a paranormal investigator, but I had no clue that I was going to do that. And, you know, I had no interest in at all, but uh, that's all I do now for the past uh, 13, 14 years, whatever. And yeah. uh, Richard, Richard calls himself that he doesn't think he's, he's a psychic as a brick, but I believe that the, the more you do this, the more open you become. And before you know it, it could happen like you, that he, he, Richard may be a medium. Yeah. Well, it, uh, I love you... it. It's so funny you should say that, Ron, because I was actually, uh, Saturday night, uh, I was... Um, Oh, I was doing something in, in a place called Haunted, Haunted House in, in York. And um, Mike, Mike Totty, um, you know, our, our, the medium guy that comes on frequent, well, he's been on a few times. Uh, my mate, Mike, um, was telling me that he, he's a, he, he actually thinks that I'm, a, I'm a, a psychic or a medium in denial. <laughs> and he says, well, and I said, absolute rubbish. I said, I, you know, I, I tell everybody, as I've said, you just said I'm a psychic brick um, with a B. I don't see dead people. I, I don't sense things. You take me into... Yeah, and, and it's true. I, I just don't, um, you know, I mean, oh, you know, people go, oh, can you feel, can you sense? No, it's gone cold. No, it hasn't, not to me. Um, but he reckons that, that I am actually, because of my interest and everything else, that, that there are, you know, and my respect, of course, for, for the spirit world, he thinks that I'm actually one day, <laughs> I mean, it might happen to me, but the trouble is, I, I passed 34 an awful long time ago, kid. That's the trouble. <laughs> oh, um, in, I mean, the courses that I used to go on to for my training, we had people on our courses from the age of 18 to over 70 years old. And one of the best messages oh, I've got. Time, I've got. Then. <laughs> Just. 
that one of the best messages I ever got was from a lady of over 70 years old doing her first ever message. And she'd been told by her spiritualist church she could do it and didn't believe it. But because they kept on at her, she thought, oh, I'll go on a training course and see if I can do it. And she gave me the most amazingly accurate message. It switches on if people want it to. There's Anybody can be a psychic medium. Not everybody's suited to it because it's a lot harder work than people think. And it requires a lot of you and it requires a lot of your life and a lot of stability, I hope. Um, but I've yeah. seen people from the ages of 18 to 70 who didn't know they could do it just achieve it. Yeah. Really? I mean, absolutely right what you, what you just said, Deb, about, you know, I mean, we all have, I believe that we all have that ability in the same way as, and I've said before, we all have the same ability to play the piano. But some of us will never realise it and some of us will actually never be able to do it. I mean, mm. play the piano. As well. So you know, but it's it's. I think it's within every one of us, every every human being on the planet, uh, to be able to do it. Some some it comes to, I suppose, and some it doesn't. It's a gift, isn't it? Um. Yes, I do believe it's a gift because it's something that you share. But yes, it's. I don't know. Sometimes it feels like an ability that switches on, just that ability to be communicated with because I never feel that I can communicate with the spirit world. If I'm stood up and I've got no one with me, there's nothing I can do about that. I can send out my thoughts and say, please come in. I'm stood in front of an audience and there's no one with me, but there's nothing I can do. So I do think of myself very much as a channel to be worked with if it is the right thing and not if it's the wrong thing. So, so in but, other words, you're, you're saying that, that you, you only, is this right, that you only work through your spirit guide? No, no, I work with the spirit world, um, you know, but sometimes when you're a medium, you just stand up on stage, and if the energies are wrong, you're alone. And a lot of people Oh, yeah, say, and so nothing happens. It's a, it's a bit like the radio switched off, or, or, the, or the, the, phone, the batteries run down on the phone or something like that. Exactly. That is usually when you call on your guide for help, and they try and sort help, it out. Yeah. You. But, um but, yeah, I, I just feel that I stand up there, I'm willing to work, I ask them to work with me, and then I wait and see if they will. So, you know, yeah. as you say, it's like and, a radio. Tell me, area. are the times when nothing happens, when they don't, there's no one there, no one comes, and, and so I, you, you could almost say to the, to the people, I'm ever so sorry, guys, but nothing's coming through. I have Has had to, yes. Yep, I, I'm completely it's refreshing. get anything, I just say so. It's very, very rare, and it's usually, in my experience, when the audience energy is very, very low. If you walk into a room and there are a lot of people sending out very negative thoughts towards you, or it's, it's really hot, and the audience is sitting there as flat as a pancake, that's usually <laughs> the hardest time to work. But it just yes. happens, and you can't do anything except say, right, I've passed five messages tonight at the moment, it's quiet. But where I'm very lucky is being an inspirational speaker, I can then turn around and work with the audience. I'll answer questions, and I, or I can just speak on a subject. I can say, has anybody got any worries? You know, this worries me, and I can talk to them. And usually, if I just get that audience energy back up, or my energy back up, I'll be able to get the links again. Well, we actually wow. have a So in other words, you. you're, obviously you're working with 
Well, as the same as any, um, I don't mean it like this when I say performer, but uh, you're actually working with your audience the same as any anyone else does that's that's in front of an audience. You know, you need them, you need their participation, don't you? I don't need them to tell me anything. I don't need them to do anything except sit there and be willing and enthusiastic. If you walk in and everybody's going, oh, I'm really looking forward to tonight. This is so exciting. You just, the spirit world just seem to love it and the energies are right. But the minute, because the only feeling I can give you, because like most mediums, I can't explain this scientifically. It's just the feeling is when, if you walk into a room and everybody's miserable, you walk in, you're feeling great, you're singing, and then you think, oh, great, I'm glad I came to this party tonight. And you're looking at your watch, and 10 minutes late, you say, good grief. How much longer have I got? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but again, absolutely. It's, it's, it's the same in any world, isn't it? That I presume an actor, even, if he's got a very negative audience, will not, will not be able to put the same amount of energy or perform in the same way as when the audience is with him or her. I'm that from personal experience. It's awful. Well, especially if you're doing yeah, a comedy and they're food <laughs> to laugh. Oh, horrible. But no, you just need the audience to be enthusiastic and to create a nice, happy atmosphere. Yeah. And that's why a lot yeah. of mediums tell jokes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but yeah. Positive energies. Exactly. We, actually have a, we actually have a question for you from the uh, Tojinet chat room. It's from Ghost Girl. She says, uh, I guess this is about, you know, we, you develop later. Should you be trained? And in, in how do you know you should be trained, I guess, is the, the, the question as well. Uh that is a very difficult subject because mediumship is natural. It comes and if it turns on in you, you can do it. I took a personal choice to be trained because I had concerns about handling the work in this world. A lot of mediums will say to you, if you've got a guide, what else do you need? Your guide will train you. Your guide will help you. But I felt that as a human being, I needed to know the skills of handling mediumship in this world. Because if you go into a panic, you can't hear your guide either. They say it's like trying to get in through a thunderstorm. So I went on my training, and my personal recommendation to any medium is go, or train is any would-be medium, is go to the people with experience and learn from them. Because they have so much to offer on how you handle mediumship on this side, because it isn't just about the message. There's a lot around it. So my feeling was I just wanted to know as much as I could about mediumship from my guide in the spirit world and from the people here with the experience. Hmm. Mm. You know, like as I mentioned before, when I first started, I, I was like Richard. I, I was as psychic as a brick. But just through doing it and working with the trans medium for, uh, for years, uh, I call myself a dumb psychic now, and that is basically that I will just acquire knowledge that I have no clue where it comes from or whatever, or do I guess really want to. And and Marmine says that uh, that I keep uh, like walls behind me, and it's only because that we're for an investigation. I kind of let these walls down, and the information flows. So, I mean, does that make sense at all? Absolutely. You don't want the information when you're not working. Um, I think it is the rudest thing that a medium or psychic can do is to walk around their local supermarket or worse still, walk into a party where everybody's chilling out and having a nice time and chatting to friends and march up to someone as a medium and say, I've got your grandmother here and she wants to talk to you. 
Um, I stay as closed down as I possibly can. As a psychic, I can be in a room full of people and have no idea what they're feeling. Because, you know, a psychic tunes into living people, the people on this side. Right. Medium tunes into the spirit world. Okay, and so I, that's your definition of the two. Okay, that's good. That's good to know. That's, yeah. that's what I, that was yeah. what I was taught, and it feels right. Yeah, it but does. But I yeah. say that if I'm going to walk in and just tune into you without permission, I might just as well say, can I have your wallet to look through it? <laughs> you know, You're right. To me, it's, it's a bit me. like... Sorry, it's a bit like getting on the bus and you know, and the doctor being that so, so, your local doctor sitting next to you, and he turns and says, "Well, oh, that's a nasty boil on your neck." Um, well, hang on a minute, I've got my, I've got my scalpel with me. Shall I shall I lance it now while we're on the? I mean, you say nothing. If I if I want that treatment, I'll make an appointment. Exactly, exactly. And uh, some people I've met, very very few psychics, most work in the same way I do, just take delight in walking up and giving you information you don't want. And even as a psychic medium, I don't want somebody walking up to me unannounced and telling me that they've got to give me information. If I want that information, I'll go for a reading or I'll go to my friend Nikki and I'll say to her, I've got a problem on my mind. Could you please, you know, give me some information? But I just feel it is incredibly intrusive to go around reading people, knowing how they are, and we're still giving them information. And I've done quite a lot of work with the seriously damaged who have been through that hmm. it's wow. the other way around too because i know a lot of mediums are psychics so uh, that just absolutely hate supermarkets because there is so much energy there and, and strong energy and mm-hmm. i guess it's because you know in regards to where it is being food and and sometimes there's problems with money and people can't afford this or, or this and this but it seems like there's a lot of uh energy in a, in a supermarket and there's also a lot of people who inadvertently are invading your space as well yeah absolutely and um you do get a lot of people pulling on your energy if they know you're a psychic medium you can't go to a party without being asked or oh, could i just ask you oh, about yes. uh, when's mr Wright coming in um i walked into a coffee shop once and somebody said oh this medium is going to work at the coffee shop and inside three seconds, she's asking me, can I give her advice about her work? So you do pick up around you. You do pick up how people are feeling. You can walk into town feeling great and crawl out exhausted. And you have to learn how to run psychic protection, cleanse your energy and rebalance your energy field. But also, wherever you go, if people know what you do, there are questions. Could I just ask you? Would you mind if I just asked you? And it sounds, a lot of people query psychics and mediums charging, but in some ways to turn it in the work into actual work and say, I'm sorry, I do do readings at certain times like other people do. And right now I'm at a party because otherwise you can spend the entire party with people queuing up in front of you and you don't get to have fun because you're free reading. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like, but I mean, you know, you see, it's, I find this, I mean, you know, the people say, well, you know, but, but the only the only genuine mediums are the ones that do things for nothing. But, but, but I mean, I, you know, the same thing applies to, a, to an artist. You know, it's a gift that you've got to create a beautiful painting, and they charge for it. Or a so doctor or a mechanic or anything else. Exactly. exactly. And I mean, I, yeah. I thought about this long and hard because it is very hard to work with the spirit world and think of it as work. But the truth is you are working and you're working very hard and you're giving away time 
And one of the conclusions I come to is I've got a lovely husband who supports me to do this work. He doesn't ask me to have a day job. He pays all the bills. And he can yep. just about cover everything we need as long as we don't get hit with anything unusual. And I get yep. a little bit fed up sometimes, and I'm sorry to be so blunt, with such spiritual people going, oh, I'm so spiritual, and not thinking of the people that are supporting them, loving them, and going without to help them. We've had virtually no holidays at all over the past 15 years for many reasons, but one is that I'm utterly dedicated to this work, and he absolutely supports it. So to me, to go out and do it for nothing, to be saintly, is to be completely unfair to the person who would get, who is giving everything so that I can do this work. And that is right, the conclusion right. I came to. I've chosen it to do it full-time, so I have to bring something into my household, and I have to pay my taxes. I wish I paid taxes. I'd love to earn enough. I need to take my responsibility as well. Absolutely right. Couldn't agree more. But it's a gift. Why not charge for it? Well, exactly. You know, everything is a gift. If you're able to do um, accountancy, if you're a policeman and you, or a police person, I should say, I'm sorry, and you put two and two together and you're good at coming up with four, it's a gift. You know, everything, even being a radio announcer and being able to carry a show, know when to break in, know when to let people talk. You know, these are all huge gifts. Everything is a gift. And we as well. Well, and we get paid for it. And we all, you know, as you quite right say, we all have to put bread of bread on the table. And you know, if you can put a bit of jam on it as well, it's very nice. And yeah, so be it. Good luck to you as well, because I think, you know, I, I think it's wonderful that I think you do a wonderful job. I think that the that um, mediums, genuine mediums, um, and and you know, I, I'm I think everyone knows that I'm I'm a hard taskmaster. Regards mediums, um, because I believe, like in every walk of life, there are charlatans and people that are, you know, out there for the wrong reasons. Um, even, especially, I should have say, bankers these days. Um, and you know, it's unfortunately you, you 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 often get a bad press because of it. Absolutely, but a lot of accountants get a bad press for the rotten yeah. barrel. Police officers, doctors, they get bad press for the rotten view in their Everybody barrel. Does. It's just the yeah, same exactly. for us. Everybody. And I, yeah, and I sincerely believe with all my heart there are very few people in the field of mediumship who are going out there to deceive. For the simple reason, when you stand up on your own in front of an audience or when someone comes to you and they're bereaved and they're on the floor with grief and they need your help... Yes. Anyone who can, it is so frightening that you won't be able to help them. You've really got to believe in this work with every fibre of your being to even face those people in the first place. You know, it's not easy to take a mother who's lost a child who comes to you for the comfort of knowing that child is safe. That's a huge responsibility. And I believe that people have to sincerely believe with all their hearts they can do it to even attempt it, and I do believe 99% of my field genuinely believe they're mediums. However, it's like any field. You've got people who are naturally very good at what they do. You've got people yep. who work hard and become good, and you've got other people who think they're better than they are. 
On that note, we're going to have to take a break. So, anyways, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Sir Richard Felix and the well, late hey. Van Helsink, Ron Kolick. And our very special guest has been Deb Hawkins. And we'll be right back after the following messages on Tojinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give the awards to the Bear Eggs family. Twenty-seven. All right. Hi, I'm Ron Kolek, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except- so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anne and Ron. See you then. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Felix and Ron Kolick on TojiNet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and Beyond. And our very special guest has been Medium, and still is, I guess, uh, Medium and, okay. oh boy, I forget it, uh, Deb, Roha- Deb Hawkins. We actually, sorry, Debo. Uh, Deb, but we actually, you know, I want to get this, uh, somebody was asking, you know, they seem to be really enthralled about, you know, being uh, how you woke up and you, you became a, uh, uh, a medium at the age of 30 something, which means it was like only two years ago. But uh, anyways, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it says, uh, basically, if, if you do wake up like, like you did in your case and, and you realized it, that you were, you had the gift, uh what if you didn't want it? Is there anything you can do, or or is it you just uh, cursed with? I guess um, you can go. I would always say, if anybody suddenly realizes that they are being contacted by the spirit world, the first thing is go and find an experienced medium that teaches. Because if you don't want the ability, there are ways to close down and not get the messages. Um, but I would say to anyone, just go and find an experienced medium. And if you don't gel with your first tutor. Go until you find someone you gel with, but you can close it down. You don't have to be a medium. It isn't a rule. 
and some people don't know they can control it and they get bothered by the spirit world the whole time mm -hmm. because the spirit world are desperate to get a message and they find an aerial, they'll tune in. So go and find an experienced medium and seek help. So, I mean, that, that's what brings up a, an interesting – first, I want to make a comment. Is, is, of course, you can eat black olives, according to uh, Jason Hawes. That's the way he got out of becoming a medium. He ate black olives, and that killed it. I so. didn't know it was a medium. Oh, uh, well, if you read his first book, he, said, I thought he, was he, said, he, ate, he <laughs> said he ate said he ate olives, and that's how he got rid of it. But anyways, um, uh, that how do we know? I mean, let, let's face it. I mean, uh, if you're getting hearing voices from from the spirit world, I mean, how do you, how does that differ from somebody's who's hearing voices to tell him to kill his family? I mean, well, so far, how, no one in the spirit world's told me to kill anyone. Okay, there you go. But I yeah. mean, you know what I'm saying is, 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 how do you recognize that their spirits, their voices of spirits, versus, for instance, if you believe in demons, a voice of a demon? Uh, that's a hard one because I've never, thank God, and all, all the angels, please may that always stay the same. I've never had a bad experience, which is rather nice, but. You do sometimes get people come to you who have been diagnosed under our mental health acts in Britain um, with mental health problems, and they will say to you, is it possible I'm hearing voices? Um, really, I'm a medium. The one thing I do know when you're a medium is you will never hear anything bad. Your guides don't tell you to go out and get people. In fact, they grab you by the scruff of the neck and say, calm down, relax, and stop thinking about going out and getting people. Um, generally, mediums generally can cope with the work, they can cope with the messages, they get a guide in, um, they go for training and they can manage it. But if a person can't manage their life and the voices are telling them to do something bad, um, whatever it is, it isn't mediumship. Do demons exist? I genuinely don't know. I do know that if people have that awful disease of schizophrenia, they they land up in conflict in their own mind. I'm not a doctor. I don't understand schizophrenia. But I would say to anyone, if you're being told to help people, to care for people, to if you're being asked to pass a message, I just need to talk to my daughter. She's depressed and I want to make her feel better. The messages as a medium gets are generally very nice, very healing and very kind. If you're getting anything in your head that isn't healing and kind, first see your doctor and get it checked out and make sure that you're all right. And then go and see a medium who specializes in clearing that sort of thing. But only after you've seen your doctor and made sure you're all right, because you shouldn't get bad voices, the whole point of a spirit guide, and most mediums have guides, even if they don't need to know their name, is to keep those doors closed and allow only the connections you need. So there should not be bad voices and there should not be frightening things. Okay. Now that, that brings up another point, and, and I'm sorry to, to uh, dwell on this, Richard, but um, Spirit guides. Um, I mean, I, I personally believe that we all have spirit guides. Maybe they're not. You might not think of them as spirit guides. If you're a Catholic, for instance, you might think of them as guiding angels. Or uh, if you're a different uh, religion, there are other uh, beings that, that that guide you through life. Uh, but 
to me, I think we all have them, but we don't recognize them at times. And, and the other thing is, uh, is it wrong not to really want to know your spirit guide? In other words, I, 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 like I said, I believe I have a spirit guide, but I have no clue what the name is, nor do I really care to. Um, I don't feel that it matters. We, we have terminology in our field that talks about life guide, which is your best friend in the spirit world who's with you from the cradle to the grave. Someone who's always there, exactly as you would be for a best friend on the end of a phone all the time. And that's the feeling, because everybody, as you say, is guided. Um, and that is that feeling when you think you're going to fall to your knees because you literally can't do it anymore. And it's as if someone hugs you and then the strength comes. You hear people say, I don't know how I kept going, but the strength came from somewhere. And I believe that is your life guide, always there, always looking after you in this life. When you become a medium, you can change guides. My first guide was Edward, my current guide, my next guide was White Cloud, who still works with me sometimes. I also work mainly with Amos now, and I've got a couple of other guides that help me in different ways. And that becomes very much a deep friendship. I know it sounds odd, but it feels to me like a deep friendship and a working relationship. However, other mediums I know don't need to know who their guides are. They just seek if they're in, in doubt. They reach out to the spirit world. They get a wonderful feeling and amazing advice, and they're happy with that. And I don't really think it matters. I think it has to be each to their own. Okay. Yeah. Do, you, do you actually see your spirit guides as well as sort of sense that they're there? Um, I've only ever seen one of my guides once. I'm clairsentient. I only feel. So right. I feel, so I can, in my mind's eye, I can see Amos. In my mind's eye, I can see people's relatives when they come through. In my mind's eye, I can hear them. And that sounds like yeah. the weirdest thing to say you can hear someone when you can't hear anything, but you can. So I know mm. what Amos looks like. I know his energy, exactly as if perhaps you're married and your wife comes into a room and you think, oh, she's behind me. Or your partner comes and you think, oh, they're behind me. And you turn around and there they are. You recognize the feeling of them. And that's what I have, so I don't see. But I only had one amazing experience where I did see spirit. And that was quite incredible. So I've see, actually seen them with my own eyes once. And that was extraordinary. Wow. Tell us more. Really? Um, I went yeah. To do, yeah. I went to do a demonstration of mediumship, and contrary to what people think when they meet me, I am not super confident. I question myself all the time, and I'd had a couple of knocks, and I was very, very worried. I was at a lovely new church in Bristol, and I wanted to do a good job for them, and I was quite concerned. And I looked up, and a gentleman, I thought, had just come in the door, and he was about six foot two, and he had crinkly blonde and grey hair to his shoulders. He had on a brown leather jacket, jeans and boots, and a check shirt. And he gave me a smile, and all my fears went away. They just melted. And I went in, and I did a wonderful evening of mediumship, and I was so pleased and grateful. And then I looked out into the audience, and this gentleman of six foot two wasn't there. So I asked everyone in the room, have you seen someone of this description? And they said, no. And I asked the people near the door, I said, are you absolutely sure nobody came into this room and said, here are your keys that you forgot, here's your purse, 
you know, here's something you've forgotten. Did anyone see this man? And the lady at the back piped up and said, I think if I'd have seen him, I'd have remembered. And then I realized I didn't actually see him come in the door and I didn't see him go into the room. But I was watching the door because he gave me such a beautiful smile. I would certainly have seen him if he walked out. And I realized then I felt that that was one of my guides coming just to reassure me it was going to be all right. But from that day to this, and I mean, I'm not gullible. I asked the questions. I asked everybody in that room. I got the president of the church to check that no one that had already left had seen them. And I couldn't place that person any other way. And it was the most amazing experience. Wow. We yeah, actually right? have, an, we have another question from uh, the the chat room. This is from Allison. And, and uh, so you knew that that person was your, your guide. But uh, what if you're a naturally, uh, well, she naturally unlucky person? Is it a spirit guide? Is he guiding you wrong or or are you disrespecting him or, or how does and how do you change that? Um, I don't blame anything that happens in this life on my guides. I have had times when I've heard Phil Amos going, don't do that. Please don't do that. Oh, for God's sake, don't do that. You're going to do it, aren't you? Okay, I'll come with you. And then it goes wrong. And I go, Amos, it's gone horribly wrong. And he goes, take my hand. We'll get you out. I believe in our free will. Now, when Alison says she's naturally unlucky, I'll send out all thoughts that this will change for her. Sometimes we have runs of bad luck. We just do. In 1999, I lost one father, three uncles, and a cat. That was not funny. Oh. You know, it was one of those years where you didn't want to say what next. You got too scared in the end. Um, if you're having a run of bad luck, sometimes to try and change your mindset to optimism can help. But it is very hard to do. And I don't believe, you know, some people believe, oh, if you're having bad luck, it's because you've got the wrong attitude to life. I don't believe that. Sometimes what feels like bad luck can just be life. You know, we're all in a recession at the moment. America's struggling. Britain's struggling. It isn't bad luck that people lose their jobs, although it is horrible for them. It's a result of the recession that it's happening. Um, but sometimes trying to get yourself to a place of optimism and going out, look for the new things, look for a better attitude. I did a course with Mike Dooley. Um, not a course, a day in London with a guy called Mike Dooley and then another one with a guy called Michael Neal, both Americans. And they changed my attitude to life completely. And please God, touch wood. I feel that things have gone better just for spending time with some of the world's most positive and inspirational thinkers. And I would say to Alison, it's nothing to do with the spirit world. Your guides would be trying to help you as best they possibly can. When you're in a very bad place, it can be difficult to hear them and to hear their guidance. But I would say that going and finding some of the really inspirational thinkers and listening to them has certainly helped me, I hope, make good decisions, keep a more positive attitude and believe in my power to, within reason, guide my life down good roads. That's how I feel anyway. Really? Mm. Wow. Yeah. So before, before you were 34, you, did you, I mean, did you ever have any, um, 
experiences at all? Had you ever seen seen anything, heard anything, sensed anything? Um, as a child, did you have imaginary friends or, or anything like that? As we call them, by the way, that's what you know. That's our way of getting out of that one, calling it an imaginary friend. But did anything happen to you? I had several things. Um, I had one. Well, let's start with imaginary friends, Andy and Andrew. And they they used to go to work in my dad's pocket every day, and they could tell me what dad did at work, which he said was surprisingly accurate. And this is what my mother and my father have told me. Um, I also had a dog called Kerry Blue, which we believe came about because I heard about a dog called Kerry Blue. And I thoroughly embarrassed my mother by going up to someone in a big department store and in absolute floods of tears at the age of three that I'd lost my dog and he had the store closed and they were looking everywhere for this dog and my mum had to go up and admit it wasn't real. So I would say my mum had several experiences with me when I was young. Um, <laughs> yeah, lovely child. It's a wonder she's still sane. Um, the only actual soup, if you like... I. There were two things that happened with me. Was one when my grandfather died, I dreamt that I got on a cloud outside my bedroom window and I went up and I saw these big golden gates and my grandfather came to the other side of the gate and he told me he was well and he could eat now and I should tell Nan that he was all right and, you know, he was very happy and looking after all of us. So I told my mum the next day and like mothers do, she went, oh, that's lovely. And I said, well, he had the little boy with him and she said, what little boy? And I said, big blue eyes, short trousers. Because I was about coming up seven then, so I do remember this. Really weird short trousers. They were past his knees, and he had really blonde hair. And my mum said, come and talk to your grandmother. So I told Nan, and she said, oh, that's lovely. And mum said, now tell her about the little boy. So I described this little boy, and my man looked at my mum. And I know this to be true, because I was a big mouth. We went into my mum's bed. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the child who, when mum said, don't tell your daddy's adopted, he said, where have you been today? I said, up to London to find out you're adopted, daddy. Um, so I know that when my family said that they would not have dared tell me about my uncle Rick because my grandfather couldn't bear to have him mentioned, he died when he was four, and my grandfather oh. was so distraught, they were never, ever allowed to have a photograph out or mention his name again oh, because wow. he died in the most tragic circumstances and my grandfather was away at the war and didn't get back in time. And my grandparents had already lost two sons and then he was their third. And it was horrible. Oh. I do know if they told me about Vic, I would have gone straight up to my beloved granddad and said, I'm sorry about Uncle Vic. So they swore yeah. they never told me a word and I described him exactly. So I had oh, that. Boy. But my weird thing was I used to think I was ill and I knew I wasn't and I'd suddenly come out with something when I was 16. I was absolutely convinced I was pregnant. It would never have occurred to me that someone in my family came two weeks later and told everyone they were pregnant, uh, that she was pregnant. And I would get these funny things and then it would just go away again. And I couldn't explain it. When I met my current husband, Tony, um, he noticed that if I started thinking about an illness the sooner or later it would come up in someone around me or someone around me would know someone who had it. And we realised I'm what they call a medical intuitive. I can pick things like that up. And that was very uncomfortable. I thought I was a raging hypochondriac. And it was really rather <laughs> frightening. And once I knew what it was, I was able to close it down. And fingers crossed, touch wood, I don't have it anymore. But that was about all I had. 
I used to be a very nervous person, and since I've become a psychic and realized I pick up on other people, I don't suffer from the nerves and the stress and the tension I used to. I can still have pretty bad days, but I've been a lot calmer. So I, I didn't know. I was obviously affected by it, but I wouldn't have had a clue what it was. No, no. But there was something. There was something there, obviously, then, from, you know, from, from an early age. Um... But you know, I say a lot of people just lose it. Don't, but, but you know, so something just happened. Obviously, when you were thirty-four. Yeah, and I don't know what. I've got no idea, and I'm very. You can't. I love it. You can't hang your hat on. You can't think of anything that you didn't have. You, uh, 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 there wasn't an accident, or something happened, or you you were terribly stressed, or or no, nothing that you know of that caused. Nothing at mm. all. No reason for it whatsoever. Hmm. How amazing! It was utterly wow. incredible, and I'll be and, grateful. For me, for sorry, how 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 did people take it? Um, um, I don't. To be absolutely honest, I never sound silly. I don't really know. I don't really remember because I didn't know what to do with it. And I had two very good friends called Leslie and Keith, who weren't mediums, but they were knowledgeable, and they guided me as best they could. I did have a time where. I mean, I would read for friends, friends of friends, and friends of friends' dogs if they would let me. It was such a wonderful thing. To see the smile on someone's face when you gave them a piece of information you couldn't have known was magical. But basically, I exhausted myself. And just before 1999, before my father died, I, I was closed down. It just stopped. And for six years, I could not do mediumship. And it was awful, absolutely awful to be without it. It was like losing a limb. And mediums would come up to me. I'd go and sort of, I'd meet people or I'd go to a show where there were mediums. They'd come up and say to me, I don't know why I want to say this to you, but your time is not yet. It will come. And by the end of six years, I thought, if one more medium says this to me, I'm going to be done for medium side. I really am. And, you know, I'm going to curse them. And then it switched back on again, in literally in an instant. And I was drawn into my training in the strangest possible way, but my guide Edward said, I will be with you for the next few years, but you won't work. But the truth was I wasn't handling the work on the human side, and I needed the guidance of people on this side to help me. And so he closed me down through the period of my father dying and my reaction to it, two degrees, and a few other things happening, and then it just started up again later on. Hmm. Amazing. I'm waiting for that to you ha to, for you to happen, Richard. I, I can't wait to, to you. I can't wait for you to come on the show and say, Ron, you know what? I think I'm a medium now. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the day, kid. But I don't know. I, I, you know, I really don't know. I still think that I'm I'm the same, um, you know, person that, that I, I think that's what makes me rather rather different. The fact that I can sit so firmly on the fence. Um, looking, looking at both sides, you know, believing, believing in, in, you know that, you know, I believe in ghosts, but I also believe. Actually, I've changed it because I think you know what I say now. You know, ten out of ten ghosts can be explained, but not yet. Yeah. There is an explanation for everything. There's an, there's an explanation for what what makes Deb different to someone else who's walking down the street. There, there is an explanation for for all of it. Um, but we're a long way from finding it. I think. Agreed. Agreed. This is why sometimes I just can't answer questions, because I just can't answer questions. I don't understand it. I'm profoundly grateful for it, 
But I'd be lying to it to you if I told you I understand it. No, here's one. I mean, obviously, so many, so many. You know, I mean, so many people have died. There, is, there must be so, so many spirits um, out there, up there, down there, or I don't know, wherever, somewhere. Um, it, it's and, and as you said earlier, you know, that they're all, or a lot of them, are actually sort of desperately trying to get through. In other words, like this, like like handing out your your your, your mobile phone number in a way, isn't it? People will start ringing, and, and same thing applies when you're open. People are trying to get through. It surprises me that they they can't or won't or whatever tell tell us more or to perhaps tell you more uh, about why why you've got the gift and others haven't, for instance. Or is it something that you just wouldn't ask? Um, I have asked why I've got the gift, and I was simply oh. told that I made the decision at that time in my life to step into mediumship. But one thing I would wonder, because I do believe before you come here, you make certain decisions. I don't believe we're the accidental collision between the sperm and an egg. I do have right. a very strong feeling of being spirit, coming from there to here and one day returning. But yes. um, I believe I made the decision at that time. But I also don't believe earlier in my life it would have been appropriate for me to be a medium. I had... Because I'm as much as, as a medium, I'm a spiritual inspirer, I hope. I don't like the word teacher. I hope I inspire. Um, yeah. And I don't believe I could have coped. I had a lot of life lessons to learn. I made a lot of mistakes. But every single mistake I made, every single relationship that I've screwed up, even to this day if I get something wrong, I've learned from and I've built that into what I hope I can share with people. Because mediumship is a specific area. It is to try to provide evidence that life continues. Spirituality goes everywhere into whether you're sitting on a roller coaster, whether you're at work. Spirituality is about what we are and how we live and different ways of coping and handling life. So I don't believe before I was 34 I was ready to do it. I think I had a lot of lessons. I had a lot of hard lessons. It taught me amazing things that I've been able to draw on ever since. But I would not have been capable of being a medium before I was 34. I couldn't have coped. And that's why it didn't happen? That's what I believe, yes. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so you have this gift now. Do you know what you should do with it? Um, I believe I'm here to inspire people to live a happier life in the real world. Um, mediumship is, has got two benefits, is it can heal grief if you get the right information and the person can accept that. Um, the other benefit is it, for me, if you believe in it, I hate to say medium can provide proof, we can only provide evidence. The person hearing that evidence has to decide for themselves if it's proof. But I feel if you do believe in mediumship, you believe the spirit world is there. And for me, that gives me great hope and great responsibility. And I'm not telling you I always handle my life well, I don't. I'm not telling you I get everything right, I don't. But it's made me more aware of the people around me. I would say that my connection to the spirit world has made me more aware of living and of the people I'm living with and trying to be of benefit to them. And I hope but through my writing, through my book that I'm promising myself I'm going to finish 
throw the CDs I want to make, but I can lift a little bit of grief or give people a little bit of support when they need it. I'm not looking for miracles just to be worthwhile. I have this dream that in 200 years' time I'll be back reading a book and I'll think, gosh, that Deb Hawkins was amazing and not have a clue I was her. You know, it won't matter. There's no ego involved. I won't know I was her. It, you know, but that the book would still be there, still doing some good, still making people feel better. And for me, some of the most inspirational authors, Louise Hay, James Redfield, oh, Mike Dooley, Michael Neal, oh, Deepak Chopra, these people are offering, offering, offering all the time things that can make you feel better. And I just hope I'm one of those people. Sounds like it to me, kid. I'm doing my best. Don't know what yeah, that's what it's all about. And I love this word you keep saying, inspirational. I think that's, yeah. that's what it's about. Yes, I think so. Because to me, ins inspiration is when you're stuck in the rut and you have that light bulb moment that, hang on, <laughs> I can do something differently. When I was first taught, I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown and my friend Keith was a hypnotherapist and a very spiritual guy. And he said to me, do you know you don't have to think the way you do? So I looked at him as if he was Greek and said, pardon. And he said, do you know you're a child of the universe? You might have been your mother's sister, your father's brother. And I looked at him and thought, okay, you, you looked fairly sane up until this moment. <laughs> once he got me into spiritual thinking, I realized that all the rules I'd been brought up to believe didn't have to mean anything to me. So well, I start we we are actually going to have to end it there because we are just oh, oh, that's a shame. time. This just blew right by. So, any final words, quickly, about fifteen seconds. Live your truth. And that's your website, of course, is. Sorry. Your website is. Um, www. Actually, debhawken.com. There you go, DebHawkin.com. We want to thank you so much for being on the show. You've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International with uh, Richard Felix and Ron Kolick, and thank our you. special guests have been Deb Hawkin. And thank you very much. And this course, if you missed the show, you can catch it on iTunes as well. So, well, Richard, till next week. Oh, thanks for the inspiration. Next... That was great, wasn't it? Yeah, I do have an announcement. Next week, uh, we'll be doing a rebroadcast of another show. The uh, station is doing something, and uh, so there will be no live show next week. Have I got the week off then? <laughs> yeah. Good night. God bless. All right. Talk to you guys. Happy holidays. Glorious to ghosties. Long legged 